Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. Amen and amen. Put your hand on your heart and say, I am a useful vessel of the Lord. All right, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are a useful vessel. See, the word of God has always been clear and succinct uh, according to guidelines relative to how we distinguish those who are God, who are gods or belong to him and those who do not. See, the moment that we receive the Holy Spirit in our lives was the very moment he began to root out and pull up these old worldly weeds that we had in our lives. Now, I don't know about you, sometimes um, as we walk out the salvation thing, some of those weeds are harder to pull up than others. Some, they were rooted up right away once we got saved, but there are other things in our lives that have been a little bit more difficult to allow the Holy Spirit to root them up. Now, Apostle Paul said this. He admonishes us to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. So when I read that, it's interesting that it says lay aside every weight and sin because the weight is not necessarily sin. Hello, somebody. But if you don't keep the weight in check, the weight could drive you into sin. Hello, somebody. So there might be some things that you might be doing that is not right. And you know that not, not right. It may not necessarily be a sinful thing. But if that does not drive you closer to God, you might want to stop doing it. Amen. See, when, when, you, um, when you begin to allow certain people and certain things into your lives, it may not be a sin, but it could actually be a weight. It could be a burden on you that could cause you or drive you into an area or an into a mindset that will take you from having a faithful mindset to a fearful mindset. Is that making sense at all? All right. So I want to take you slow here because this is, this is going to make a whole lot of sense in a minute. I have learned that the more I tried to grope and plead in my own strength was the more I failed. But the moment I allowed the Holy Spirit in me to increase while I de- decreased in the world was when I actually learned how to operate in spiritual things. That was the moment when the Holy Spirit began to pull up and root out things like arrogance, pride, selfishness. Y'all don't have those things. So I'm just, I'm calling out things in my own life. Bitterness. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Unforgiveness. See, you guys already delivered from that, but I'm not yet. I'm still working on it. Amen. And so I'm just calling out stuff in my own life. Y'all know what I'm saying? So y'all just look at me and go, boy, he needs some prayer. And so, so those are some of the things that the Holy Spirit began to root out of my life because not, they weren't necessarily sin, but it was driving me in a direction that I knew was the wrong direction. You know, when you're in the world, you know, if you go back into hanging out with some of your friends, hello, somebody, you, you, you can go back and hang out with some of your friends that, uh, that, 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 that still haven't found who they are yet. And the first thing they want to do is take you back to who you used to be. That's right. Amen. Right? They want to take you back to that place. You want to, let's, can we go to the club? Can we go to the tavern? Can we go get a drink? Can we go smoke some weed? There's always, always something that people want to take you back to. Now, listen, at that very moment is the moment you got to say, I don't do that anymore. Right? Especially if you're still young. 
if you're an old head like me, I've, I've been at this thing for a minute. Now, see, I can still go into areas like that, and I can still stand as a man of God. But if you're still trying to, you, if you don't quite know, you might not want to go. Right? Because I can go into a bar or a tavern. I, I can go to a tavern, any of those things, and they can have their stuff. And I can drink my, my, my Sprite or, or my wa- whatever it is that I'm drinking. Then I don't, they're not going to pull me back into this cycle that I used to be in. So what I'm saying is, yes, we do want to be around people of the world. But if there are certain situations where you know you're still struggling in, you want to make sure you don't go back into those situations until you're strong enough to be able to be a witness to them to say, I can still be around you and not allow you to influence me. A- amen. And so this, this is all I'm saying. We do need to be in areas like that because light shines, shines brightest in darkness. Amen. But listen, you better know yourself. Amen. Don't blow your witness. Your witness is vitally important because your witness is what's going to pull people to Jesus. Your witness might be the thing you go around them and everybody won't say anything around you. This is how I've been in some situations. They won't say anything while you are in the room and you sit there and they cussing and they talking all that stuff. And you see they see you not involved in all of that. And but you still having fun with them. You, they might not say anything to you. But once you leave, you get a phone call and say, hey, um, can we talk? Why? Because they saw a, a distinct difference between the way you used to be. Come on, somebody. Now, if I go to the bar now and don't drink, that is a miracle. See, I'm, I'm, see you don't understand. You see me now. You don't see what I used to be. You have a, no clue what I used to be. When I went to the bar, I didn't leave unless I was drunk. She was there. She saw my drunken state. I tried to hide it from Caitlin, but, you know, you can't hide stuff from your kids. They see it anyway. You think they don't know. They know everything. Amen. And so that's how I used to be. But now I can go in those areas because now I'm solid. I got a strong foundation in Jesus Christ. I know what he did in my life and I know what he can do in somebody else's life. So the moment somebody says you can't say Jesus, then then I don't need to be there. I had a situation where I was at a particular bank, and um, we had a, a food banquet and everything for the employees, end of the year thing, and uh, they came to me, and they say, well, John, we would like for you to pray. I shoot, man, that's right up my alley right there, bro. So I prayed. I blessed the food and everything. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. We ate. So one of the, you know, the fat boys, y'all know the fat boys, right? That's the, the vice presidents and the big boys. I call them fat boys. So not that he's fat, but, you know, y'all know some of them are. But um, so he came up to me and said, hey, um, John, um, can I talk to you for a second? Said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up? He said, listen, um, when, you, when you prayed that prayer, um, you, you, uh, we, I didn't know you was going to say in Jesus' name, but, but you know, um, I, I, I just didn't want to offend anybody. I, I say, well, 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 Bill, did you not come to me to pray? I didn't ask you to pray. You came to me and asked me to pray. So next time, so to eliminate this, don't ask me to pray. I said, because when I pray, I pray in Jesus' name. Whoever gets offended will get offended. Now, either you're going to stand for Jesus or you're not, saints of God. 
But since there was no Muslim there when I got saved, there was no Jehovah's Witness there when I got saved, there was no seven-day Adventist was there when I got saved, there was no Mormon there when I got saved, it was nobody but Jesus Christ the King. And it was Jesus the one that saved me. Jesus is the name I'm going to call out because there is no other name given among men by which we can be saved. So somebody said Jesus. Jesus. There's power in that name. You can call on Buddha, but you won't get healed. You can call on Sun Yun Moon, but you won't get healed. You can call on Siddhartha Gautama, but you won't get healed. You can call on Charles Russell, you won't get healed. These are people who started these other cults, <laughs> in case you didn't know. But when you call on the name of Jesus, demons fly. Hello, somebody. So you mean to tell me I can't say the name of Jesus? Then you asking the wrong one to pray. Can I help you out today? Somebody said Jesus. And Jesus said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. Jesus reminds us, saints of God, that what we say reveals what's in our hearts. Okay? So here, let me get to the pragmatic part of this. Are you ready? Okay. Write this down. What you picture in your mind will manifest in time. This is from my, the first, my first spiritual father, Pastor Jensen Franklin. I don't know if you guys know him or not, but he was the first man to lay hands on me, ordain me, uh, Pastor Franklin. Now, matter of fact, my preaching style is just like his, and uh, because he was uh, the first man who believed in me. See, every man needs another man to believe in him. I don't, okay, let me, let me sit right there for a second because it got too quiet. Every man, I don't care how prideful you are, I don't care how old you are, every man needs to be validated by another man. Now, you can sit there and think you don't all you want to, but every man needs to be validated by another man. Let me see how quiet it got in here. Yeah, I must be on to something, right? I needed to be validated by another man. We all, men, we need each other, right? We need to be validated by another man, especially for those of us who may have been uh, raised by your mother, or maybe your father wasn't in your life. Or maybe your father was there, but he just wasn't a presence. You know what I'm saying? So that can be the case. Or maybe, you know, you just didn't, you wasn't tight with him. Or maybe you had a great relationship with your father. Every man needs to be validated by a man. Now, every woman who didn't have a father to validate them, that causes issues too. Right? Because my daughter gets her sense of femininity from her father, me. That's why I started taking her out when she, when she was, what, nine? That's when we first started going out, Caitlin? Nine, eight, something like that. And I gave her a promise ring. And so she, she put on my ring, and, and that's what she wears. That's because she belongs to me. She's mine. And she's mine until that day she stands at the altar, and she take off my ring and put on the ring from her husband. But until then, she's mine. Nobody can touch her. Nobody can violate her. Nobody can do anything to her that I don't do. Whoever comes into her life got to treat her like I treat her. They're going to have to take her out. They're going to have to, boy, they're going to have to do some stuff. Yeah. I ain't lying because I've trained her. And she's watched how I treat my wife. So, so she sees this is how a man is supposed to treat a woman. This is how a man is supposed to treat his wife because she sees that at home. She sees how we are when nobody else is looking. She sees how much fun we have. We have a lot of fun. And we don't, we don't fake it in front, in front of you. We have fun for real. We're going to have fun if everybody get up and walk out, and we're still going to have fun. Amen? Because we had this relationship before you got here, and we'll have it if you get up and leave. Amen? And so you got to teach your children those relationships are vitally important. That's why it's important. I'm not going to go there yet. 
I'm going to hold that one. What you picture in your mind will manifest in time. So the enemy will want you to picture defeat and struggle and lack. He wants, to, he wants you to picture that in your mind. He wants you to picture that you will never be a useful vessel for God. He wants you to picture you will always be broke. You will always be overweight. You will always think like this. You will all, and then the moment you say, I will always be this way, he has defeated you because not only have you thought about it, now you have taken it into your heart, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth. Is this making sense at all? So... You are either a container full of the fruit of the spirit or you're a container full of the works of the flesh. We all are containers. That's why I have that glass there so you can see it's being filled. We are all containers. We are are always being filled with something. (laughs) Hello, somebody. Every moment of your life, you're being filled with something. Every person you come around, they're filling you with something. Every time you go into a situation, you're being filled with something. Every time you go into an organization, you'll be filled with something. Every place you go, you are being filled with something. So what are you full of? You're either a container full of blessings or cursing. You're either a container full of encouragement or discouragement, faith or the flesh. You are either a container full of treasure or trash. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I hear people say this all the time. They will say some words. They go, I don't know where that came from. No, you got to trash your heart. No, no, no. I can tell you exactly where it came from. Yeah, yeah. I, ooh, I just don't believe I said that. I do. I do. And so what we have to do, saints of God, we got to root out that stuff with the Holy Ghost and the word and worship and prayer. And see, there are some things that get locked. There are some roots in us, man, that they, you just can't pull those things up. You got to work on it for a while. You got to jank on those things. You got to plead the blood of Jesus on some of those things so that they can come out of your heart. And then you get in that same situation and you respond differently than you would before. Why? Because now you've rooted out those weeds that have been in your heart. Am I talking to the right church today? That's everybody. It's from the pulpit to the pews. We all have to root out weeds in our lives. Let me give you a principle here. Like I said, this is a real practical message. What you put in We'll come out, saints of God. <laughs> Hello. I know somebody almost passed out. <coughs> you can't <laughs> see, you can't tell me that you've been reading the word. I'm I'm meditating on the word of God. I'm I'm studying the word. Uh, last night I was laid out for 45 minutes in prayer. I just I was just in the presence of God, and it was just so sweet that I can almost smell Jesus' feet. And I was just there, I was laying there. And you just don't realize how awesome it was. I was just, I was in the shock of now glory of God. And I began to hear him whisper to me. And, ooh, the hairs on the back of my neck began to stand up. And you just don't know. I just have such a closeness with God like I've never had before. And then on Monday, you cussing people out. Wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. So, 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 so you were in the manifest presence of God. The same presence that told Moses, whoa, Moses, you better take those shoes off before you come in my presence. Because he was a holy God. Now, this is the same God when David was bringing 
the tablet, the, 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 uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, Uzzah, 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 the cows stumble, and the Ark of the Covenant begin to fall. Uzzah just reached out to touch the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant is the top of the presence of God, right, in the Old Testament. So he tried to help God. See, God doesn't need man's help. So he tried to help God out, and he, he, he boom, died right there. Why? Wow, that was the presence of God. It's the manifest presence of God. It's the same manifest presence of God where when the high priest went behind the veil, they had to tie a rope around his leg as he sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat seven times. If they didn't hear that bell seven times, he fell down dead. So they had to pull that brother out of <laughs> What I'm trying to say, saints, you can go before God, and if you go wrong, he's going to wear you out. Because he's going to reveal all of that wickedness in your heart. No, 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 no. There has to be a change. If you're spending that much time with God, something in you should be rooted out and pulled up. And there should be a significant difference about who you used to be based on who you know now. Amen? Amen. Because, see, if, if I come to you and I cuss you out like I used to cuss everybody out, I ain't lying. I'll cuss you just to be cussing you. I will put cuss words together. They ain't even make sense. I ain't lying. That's, I had a filthy mouth. I, I was a Marine. I was, I was just, what, what you, in a minute, people just looked at me. It ain't even, what's wrong with you? I needed Jesus. But I didn't know that at the time. But listen, if I'm still cussing folks out and acting all crazy, who's going to think that I have a call on my life? You still cussing and fussing and fighting, and then you're going to talk about Jesus. Wait a minute, didn't you just cuss me? I cuss you, you cuss me, now you're talking about I need Jesus. All right, I know it. <laughs> I'm going to move on. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I got a message. I taught this. Whew, I taught this. A, oh, my God. Probably about five years ago. I taught a message series. It's probably on the podcast. It's called The Little Red Devil Behind the White Pearly Gates. Y'all know what that is? This tongue. Boy, that little red devil right there behind these white pearly gates. Yeah, that, yeah, that one. That little rascal right there. The book of James said it set things on fire. Mm-hmm. If we can learn how, bless you, if we can learn how to talk to people, amen, amen. I know sometimes we, we, we get irritated with folks and all of that. I, I understand all of that. Some people you just don't need to be around. Can I, can I, can I make this real, real for you? I, there's some people you just don't need to be around right now. You don't need to be around them. Amen? Okay, so just know the ones you need to be around. <laughs> Glory to God. Let me, can I give you another principle? Is this making sense? I told you it's practical. Number two, speak what you expect, not what you're experiencing. Speak what you expect, not what you're experiencing. See, we serve, God, we serve a God who speaks those things that be not as though they were. See, we got to get delivered from this woe is me mentality so that we can receive a worthy is me. Woe is me. Why is this? Oh, God. Like you're the only one going through stuff. 
and there's always somebody doing worse than you. Amen. Amen. So listen, listen, worthy, you are worthy. Listen, he, he counted you worthy to go through it. So obviously there's something you're learning as you're going through that process. Amen. Do you expect God to bless you? Here's some questions I want to ask you. And these are practical questions. Do you really expect God to bless you? Or are you just, you just have this worldly hope? Oh, I just hope he does. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure he will. Uh, he might. Uh, I go to church. Uh, I paid my tithe. Uh, so I'm sure he'll bless me because I did that. You know, paying your tithes don't really obligate you to get anything from God. Do you realize that? They don't obligate God. You can't strong arm God. You can't give something and then all of a sudden, God, because I did this, then you better. No, God don't work that way. He does not work that way. God works on principles. Amen? Here, can I just give you something here? Are you ready for it? Give you some good theology here. In the Word of God, when you read it, there's always a promise. That promise is going to be based on principles. Those principles are going to be learned through a problem. Once you learn the principles to get through the problem is when you get to the provision. Now, I know, I already know what you're thinking because I'm thinking the same thing. Why don't God just give me the promise? See, see, I knew, I knew. I felt somebody back there say, yeah, yeah. See, see, if I could just do something else other than God's plan, if he could just give me the promise, show me the principle, and if somehow I can skirt around that problem, <laughs> and I can just roll right on to my provision. Hallelujah. But God says it don't work that way. Because your faith only works when it's tested. See, I was talking to my, my good friend Chris here, and we was talking about coaching. I know sometimes I say stuff to people, and they may take it the wrong way to get offended, right? But they don't understand, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm your coach. And see, anybody who plays sports know this. The coach made you do stuff that ticked you off, Right? They're like, man, I'm out here. Why I got to run another lap around? Why am I doing all of this? Why am I doing these suicides? Come on, those that did basketball. I'm doing 100 suicides. Why I got to do another suicide? Because the coach was trying to prepare you for what was coming. See, you always have somebody you're going to have to defeat. And see, a lot of times what a spiritual coach does, he's just trying to condition you for what you know, what he knows you're going to have to face. And if you push back on the coach, don't you know the coach will never put you in the game? And you got a lot of people, you don't want to do what the coach tells you to do, but you always want to play. You ain't even a sixth man. You should be the water boy. Talk about that's a high, that's a high quality H2O right there, boy. <laughs> Glory to God. And let me tell you something. The best players are the ones who stay after the coach is gone. You look at Jordan was one of the worst basketball players out there. But Jordan practiced, practiced, practiced. When the coach, everybody, Jordan said, well, everybody was gone. The lights was off. He was still shooting. He was still shooting. So when he got on the court, he knew how to play because he practiced. 
And you got people coming in the church. Oh, I've been saved for five years, so now I'm a prophet. You a what? You don't even know how to spell prophet. You gonna what is a what your prophet? You don't even know how to introduce yourself. You come to church, don't nobody know you. Well, I'm prophetess. Uh, blah blah blah. Don't nobody care. That ain't the name your mama gave you. I'm, I'm, I'm talking some stuff now, man. I'm getting in trouble. I'm getting in trouble. But listen, I'm telling you the truth. I, I am ordained as an apostle. That's not my name. My name is John Lofton. That's the name my mama gave me. Amen? I get to operate in the apostolic. Praise God. But that's his gift, not mine. And just because you put a title on your cars, don't make it so. Speak what you expect. Not what you experience and say, we got we to gotta take our minds back to the prosperity of God if you want to prosper. Listen, if you don't know how to deal with the 20, then don't worry about the 20 million. Amen? It's, it's, a, it's a, a statistical fact that most people who win the lottery are broke in five years. Because you can give people the check, but if you don't change the mindset, they're still broke in the mind. Amen? Write this down. You can never be a useful vessel until you connect with the right vehicle. You can never be a useful vessel until you connect with the right vehicle. See, I wrote my book, Mixture, um, and I got a whole chapter in my book called The Company That We Keep. That chapter right there, I probably got more feedback, especially from singles, than any other chapter because that chapter talks about the importance of connection. You can connect to the right people or the wrong people. God gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can have discernment. Once you got saved, you just can't go into business with everybody. Okay, all right. You have to use discernment because although they might have some resources and they might have the degrees, but they may not have the character. See, and you want, and then you sign that paperwork, you enter into a covenant. And then all of a sudden you find out, well, they're not as faithful as I thought. Right? you got to watch the company you keep because you want to be a useful vessel. You want the characteristics of a person that's going to be used by God. So you have to be careful on who you make allegiances with. That's all I'm saying, saying the property you buy, the homes you buy. You can't shack up with somebody and then you think you're going to buy a house together. What if you ain't married? You know people doing that now? they just shacking up. Y'all know what shacking up is. That's Alabama. I'm sorry. they cohabitating. That's the politically correct way. No, you living together and you ain't married, right? You need to go ahead and get married. You already, you already, you already operating like you are. You already getting the goodies. Oh, y'all, y'all done stepped up in the wrong church now. Oh, no, no, no. You already, you already in the bed like you married. You ain't telling me you living together and y'all ain't touching one another. They, you touching, you might be touching, but you might not be agreeing right now. <laughs> Y'all better be glad the children are in here right now. I was about to go somewhere, and I saw the baby's eyes, and I said, Lord. <laughs> I was like, Lord, they was going to have to explain something later today, boy. Hey, Lord. <laughs> Y'all better be glad. Y'all come back next Sunday when the kids are out of here, and I'll probably go right back to that topic again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Let me give you another principle here. 
You can never be successful on your next level until you connect to people who will make you your baby leap. Now, let me, let me see if I can explain this. Um, there are some people that you come around that um, <laughs> when they leave, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know, look, I know we're in church. I know we're in church. And y'all know I like to deal in truth. I'm not saying this about any of you when you leave me. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying, there are certain people who come around you. Matter of fact, when they're walking up, <laughs> you, you, you pick up your phone. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, oh, yeah, man, I'm coming over there tomorrow. Yeah, man, yeah, it's all good, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you say, man, I just know when they get around, oh, my God. And when they leave, you go, Lord, it's always something, right? Now, I know some people, they go through some stuff, right? And this is not what I'm talking about. I'm not, not, come on, not every day. There's nothing good going on in your life ever. I mean, ever. I mean, you get around, and there's never anything good. You can say, well, you know what? The Lord is good. Why is he good? You can say, you know what? I got blessed on my job. They probably going to take it away. <laughs> you know, the God is good. He allowed me to buy this new car. Yeah, they probably going to repossess it. <laughs> Never, nothing good. You could just say something good, and they're trying to knock you down. Or, or, or you got the one-uppers. Y'all know the one-uppers? Uh-huh. <laughs> see, see, you got, are you a one-upper? No. Oh, I was going to I'm going to say, you got to get delivered. Amen. You, you can say this. You can, this is a one-upper. You can say this. You know, I am so excited because I won $100 on the job. Well, I won 200 last week. <laughs> you know, God is so good. I heard you. God is so good. He gave me a $500 bonus. Well, I got $1,000 last week. Come on now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, it's always got to one-up you. Hello? I, oh, man, I, ooh, I was so excited. I was able to finally get me a Micah Core suit. It's a Michael. That ain't nothing. I got a Briani suit. Well, Briani suits are like five grand for those, for those of you who don't know. Michael Kors might be about 800 Maybe. So, Michael Kors, Brianna 5,000. So, big difference. Got to one-up you. Amen? Don't be a one-upper. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't be a one-upper. <laughs> Amen. So, the opposite of this, saints of God, the opposite of this is you want to get around people that's going to make your baby leap. Let me see if I can explain this. See, there's a story in the Bible when Elizabeth and Mary met. Mary was with child with Jesus at the moment, and Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. And so when they met, the Bible says that the baby inside of Elizabeth, John the Baptist, leaped when he heard the voice of Mary. So you need to be around people that when you hear their voice, something inside of you changes. 
See, you need to be around people no matter, every, every time you get around them, they're going to encourage you. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You could have fallen in something and said, it's going to be all right, dust yourself off, it's going to be okay. Yeah. You need to be around people like that. You, be, you need to be around people that you can tell your dreams to. But let me tell you this. Let me give you a principle here, saints. When God gets ready to bless you, he's going to bless you through a person. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. There is no money going to drop down from heaven for you. You are going to be blessed through another person. When God got ready to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, he sent them Moses. When, when God knew Egypt was about to collapse as a nation, God sent him Joseph. He's going to send a person to bless you. He's going to send a person. Somebody say, he's going to send a person to me. There are people that God is going to send into your life that's going to bless you. When Nineveh needed saving, he sent Jonah. When Jesus needed baptizing, he sent John the Baptist. When Paul needed to be healed, he sent Ananias. And when the world was without hope, he sent Jesus. God will use a person to bless you. So lift your hands and say, Lord, send that person to bless me. There are some people that you will encounter in your life that they will always speak into your life. You need to be around people like that. I got men of God that I'm around, and every time I get around these men, they're always sowing into me. They're always speaking into me. They're always pouring into me and my wife. We have mentors in our lives that we need to be around because there are certain things that pastors and pastors' wives go through. You need to be around somebody that has gone through it so they understand what you're going through. Otherwise, they will look at you like, I can't believe you're going through that. Well, you're not the one I need to be talking to because I need to be talking to somebody who's been through what I'm going through because unless unless you've been through it you won't be sensitive enough and patient enough to talk to people who are in it am I talking to the right people today I told you this was practical didn't I say it was practical can I can I give you something else to write down check this out when you allow the wrong people in your life it will keep you from God's best (laughs) See, in the Bible, there, there, there is an opportunity for a woman. Uh, it was Boaz, and, you know, she had to learn how to lay at Boaz's feet. Hello, somebody. Y'all know who I'm talking about? What's the woman I'm talking about? All right, I'm just saying you read your Bible. All right. So it was Ruth, right? So Ruth, listen to me, single ladies. Listen to me carefully. <laughs> Praise the Lord. See, Ruth, <clears throat> Ruth didn't settle for a bozo. She found a Boaz. See, Boaz was the right person for her. But listen, sometimes you got to wait for the right one. Amen? Now listen, ladies, it is not your job to go find the man. Now listen, let me just stay in the Bible with you here. It's not your job to go find the man, buy the dress and the ring. You got the dress already. You already bought the ring. You don't even have a man yet. What kind of crap is The Bible says a man that finds a wife. Now listen, notice what it didn't say. A man that finds a girlfriend. A man that finds somebody to shack up with. A man that finds a wife. So in other words, ladies, you need to be a wife so he can find. 
some women want to be married, but they're not even marriage material. Oh, boy, did I go there? Yes, I did. I surely did. I stepped right on off the boat on that one right there because some of y'all, you don't even know how to fix yourself up. You're walking in the mall with house shoes on, look like you never change it. You got feet so toe up, I bet your sheets are all ripped up. Boy, I'm t- boy, I told you this was a practical message. I am not trying to get spiritual today. Sometimes we need to understand some natural stuff. Amen? Keep yourself up. Get your hair done. Get your nails done. You can say, well, I can't afford that. Well, do them yourself. Do something. Amen? Put a little something on. You know, you got a girlfriend. Listen, if you have a girlfriend that's always made up, she can show you how to do it, but make sure she knows what she's doing. You don't want to go out and you like you're going to Halloween or something. Amen. I better leave this thing alone, boy. I'm about to get in trouble. <laughs> Fellas, y'all better be praying for me. <laughs> you got me, bro. <laughs> Amen. And so all I'm saying is, listen, saints of God, you, you, th- th- now listen, let me get on the brothers for a second. Now listen. Li- uh. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, now look at that. Look at that. Look at that. The women, the women like, yeah, get on those jokers, right? So look, look here, bro. Look, look. In the garden, there are some things that Adam already had. <laughs> Adam had first, this, this is what you look for. Adam had a relationship with God. Adam had a place to stay. It wasn't in mama's basement. Amen. Hello, hello. He had a place to stay. And Adam had a job. So, not a job, but he had a job. Right? So, listen, those are just fundamental things that you should have, even if you want to date somebody, fellas. If you're living with mama, you wait. Don't be lying. Yeah, my mama got sick, and now she's staying in my house. You better ask that brother to see that mortgage. Let me see the mortgage. Let me see, let me see who actually owned this house. Yeah, yeah, my mama got sick and I'm taking care of my mama. Bro, you know that ain't your house. It's your mama's house. You know all that lying. Stop all that lying, right? Just get, get prepared first, guys. Listen, fellas, hook up with some brothers that's already doing what you want to do. They can coach you. They can tell you how to do it. Now, listen, you got to be humble enough to receive some instructions. Right? I can show you how to be successful as a man of God. I can show you how to be successful as a pastor. But a lot of guys don't want to hear it. Right? Now, I can tell you, but I can't, I can't, I can't make you. Amen? So, fellas, get it right. What, what do you have to offer a woman other than sex? If you can't say anything behind that, you're not ready. Oh, man, see, when you start talking about stuff like this, let me move on to the next thing here. Let me move. <laughs> no, go back. <laughs> what do you mean go, go back? Can I hit that another, a little bit? Can I hit it again? All right, okay, okay. Since y'all convinced me, y'all are not supposed to be making the pastor preach what you want. <laughs> 
All right, I talked about the single guy. Let's talk about the husband for a second. <laughs> Let him use me. <laughs> I love this church. My God, I love this church. Okay, fellas, fellas, fellas. So <laughs> you realize that in the household, you're supposed to be the servant. <laughs> the Bible says that when God presented the woman to him, Adam, she was a help meet, not a mate. Every translation that had the word mate there is wrong. She is not there to be a mate. She's not there just to lay down with you. She's a help meet. The word meet means someone proper, suitable, and fit. Glory to God. So for every man, God has a woman that's proper, suitable, and fit. Hello. Amen. And so sometimes you might be hooking up with people that is not proper for you. And you're trying to figure out why this thing is not working. Well, maybe you didn't hook up with the right one. Okay, let me move on. All right. Time. I ain't say enough. I thought that was. Oh, yeah. My God. The church is taking over. <laughs> it's a cool. It's a cool. <laughs> I need security. <laughs> Look at Randy. Randy say, I'm here, Pastor. <laughs> Glory to God. All right, okay, so my wife said I got to hit one more thing. <laughs> so, so when, when <laughs> as a man in the house, she's there to help you meet your responsibilities. Amen? Okay. So Adam had a responsibility before he was presented with his wife. So if you don't understand how to be responsible before you have the woman, then you're not going to be responsible when you get one. That's why you leave your drawers in the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but the Bible says a man who finds a wife, not a man who finds somebody like his mama. And one of the worst things you can do is marry a mama's boy, because when you marry a mama's boy, you got to cook him cookies and cakes. And if you ain't cooking him cookies and cakes and stoking him and patting him on the back, then he gets upset. All right, am I, was that good? <laughs> <laughs> I might need to stop right there, amen. <laughs> All right, can I give you one more? I can give you one more? Okay, let me give you one more because y'all can need to go eat. All right, let me give you one more, okay, because y'all, y'all just took over in here. I have lost complete control of this church. <laughs> But one thing about it, I'm going to be happy at home because I did what my wife told me to do. <laughs> Amen. All right. Can I give you another principle? I told you this is a very pragmatic message. Let me give you this last principle, and I'll finish up next Sunday. Check this out. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers in him, in Christ Jesus, 
Well, for, I'm sorry. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. So let me give you this, this principle here. Apostolic fathering is learning through the pain of another person. Mm-hmm. That's why Apostle Paul said you might have 10,000 instructors, but you don't have many fathers. And what we lack in the body of Christ is a fathering spirit. And I'm talking about from the pulpit. Listen, I don't need any of y'all calling me your mama and your daddy. I got children. But there is an anointing that's on my life as a father. I'm here to father the body of Christ because I have an apostolic anointing on my life. Now, there's a lot that comes with this type of mentoring, saints of God. Again, like I was talking to Chris, it's about coaching. And one thing you do as a coach, if you don't challenge people, they will never grow. And if you've been sitting under me any length of time, you know doggone well I challenge you behind the desk. Every time you get comfortable, I challenge you with something. Why? Because you'll never grow if I never challenge you. That's why a lot of people would rather sit back and not get under my leadership. Because it's easier to sit back and talk about people. Uh, they need to do this. They need to do that. See, you're you a spectator. And see, you're not a participator. See, once you become a participator, it's harder to talk about everybody else who's doing the work. You know what I do as a leader? You know what I do? When somebody complains about something, I put them over it. And I never hear another complaint. Not one. Well, you know, Pastor, what we need to do in here, we, we need to have a prayer ministry. Well, I put them over it. And then you don't, you don't see them. Right? Because here's the deal, guys. I'm doing what God has called me to do. But what has God called you to do? Amen? So, okay, let me, let me, let me do another thing here. There, there are a lot of people who call me pastor, apostle. They, they call me their spiritual father but they call my wife Elaine. And when you disrespect her, you're disrespecting me. <laughs> she is an ordained elder. She's the co-founder of this church, and she is a pastor. So if you're going to call her Elaine, call me John. And John is what you'll get, because I'll show you John. <laughs> but you may not want John. You might want the apostolic. Can I give you something real practical here? What you respect is what you attract. What you expect is what, what you respect is what you attract. If you respect the office that's on my life, then that's why you're going to call me that. But don't you know I can't be the man of God that I am if it hadn't been for this woman of God? So let's take a few moments just to appreciate my woman and the woman of this house. Yeah. So if, if don't disrespect my wife. She has earned. She has earned. She, I'm telling you something, she has earned this position. She has gone through. You might, not, you might look at my wife and think my wife has never gone through anything. You come up to my wife and ask her her story. And by the time she finishes, if, if you're not weeping, you're not human. Because you might look at a person here now and you see where we are today, but you may not know our story completely. 
And we don't mind sharing our story. I don't mind sharing the things that I've been through in my life because I'm hoping that that gives you hope that God can cleanse. If he cleansed me from all of that stuff, from the drugs and the alcohol and all that stuff, he can do it for you too. Amen. So we want to give you hope. Amen. Now, I had three things I wanted to share about the apostolic fathering, but I'll hold those till next Sunday, okay? All right, so let's wrap it up right here. You can go ahead and, and wrap this up. Let's go ahead and start playing. I want you to think about some things. There are specific characteristics that you need to be a useful vessel. That's what this message is all about. We need to be meat for the master's use. But saints, you are the only one that can prevent God from using you. Stop blaming somebody else for your dysfunctions, even those who hurt you. Because what you do, if you're still living in that pain, you can never, ever capitalize on what God wants to do in your life because they are still hurting you. Not because of them. They're hurting you because of you now, because you won't let go of it. See, that's what forgiveness is all about. Forgiveness is not about the other person. It has nothing to do with the other person. And if you don't forgive, the Bible says that it will spring up and trouble you. Bitterness will spring up and trouble you. You know, a lot of stuff that's tied to the things I'm going to be praying against is bitterness. Bitterness can cause you to get sick. Unforgiveness can cause you to get sick. And so we come against all of those spirits when we start talking about healing. Hello? And that's why I'm doing this call. And we're going we're to come against all of that stuff. But listen, check this out. This is what, what unforgiveness is. Unforgiveness is like you drinking the poison and then you expecting the other person to die. That's what unforgiveness is. You, you don't forgive because you're mad and you're hurt, but it's not hurting the other person. You're dying on the inside, but the other person, they're having fun, they laugh, and then you're mad because they're having fun. Then why don't you have some fun? Amen? And the moment you say, every time that person comes around me, I just, no, no, take control. Amen? This is practical. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.